Hi, hello, and welcome back to another episode of MyLashJoin.com podcast. Now, I'll be completely honest, it's getting a little bit late, and I think this is my 10th time recording intro, so this one will have to do it. In this episode, I had a chance to talk to a lady in her 30s. She's um, she's telling the story of how she was raised up in a family where both of her parents, were both her mom and her dad, were smoking quite heavily. Um, so consequently, she was pretty anti-weed. However, growing up and seeing her friends doing it, she started smoking herself in 20s. And um, that soon became a daily habit and then a problematic use, as she puts it. And um, she's sober now, and I think she's been sober for weeks, if not months, which is amazing. But it's it's really interesting episode because you get this evolution from um, not you know, not liking, probably even hating seeing it was anti-weed, um, the, the drug to trying it herself, developing a habit and then quitting because it just, it, it, it doesn't work. And, um, besides that, we talked a lot about psychedelic seeing her career and, um, the way she approached the whole quitting experience as well. Um, I'm not entirely sure whether, um, I support this theory, but I definitely think we should talk more about it and we should research it more. Um, when I say I'm not entirely sure is because, you know, I, swapping one drug with another drug is never really a good idea. But then again, this is not what she did. She sort of, she took mushrooms to give you a different view on the situation. I think that's actually quite clever because, you know, a lot of times when you smoke, you don't really see what's going on. You need someone else to tell you, or you can try mushrooms as well. So anyways, I think it's better I leave it to her telling the whole story and the way she's explaining it, because she's explaining really brilliant, and she's a very insightful person, obviously. So I thank her so much for coming on board and sharing her story and for her to... um, talk about the psychedelic therapy as well and what she's planning to do so um yeah thanks so much for listening and we'll see you at the end bye for now let's get straight into it um so i wanted to go a little bit back um when did it all start with you what was your first experience with weed well uh my first experience with weed started way before i ever smoked um my family smoked all throughout my childhood my parents were daily smokers from the time i was born all the way through my childhood and adolescence but i actually started smoking later in life uh it wasn't until i um was introduced by um a boyfriend at 24 that i uh started smoking for the first time and uh i didn't get heavily into it right away. I think I smoked once or twice. And then um, I I moved internationally. So I didn't really have the opportunity as much mm-hmm. for three years. And then once I came back um, around 2014, that's when, um, you know, I was in a legal state. I was uh, in a social situation where stop smoking was very normalized. And I, I started picking it up then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Oh, really? So that's quite interesting. I mean, you've been pretty much um, raised in, in an environment when, where weed is something normal, right? 
Yes, it was very normalized. It was uh, kind of my way of rebelling was being this, you know, the whole people are, you know, not uh, not smoking at all. I was actually very anti-weed for uh, most of my um, young adulthood and you know, all the way through my 20s. So, you know, the shift was, you know, I, I felt quite stark from being completely anti-weed to, you know, once I was in a situation where, um, you know, it was, you know, I was around people and, and I would say friends more than family, like for my family, it's been happening all the time. So it, it seems, uh, you know, that, that was kind of my day to day. Uh, but once I saw friends smoking, that's when it started to feel like, oh, well, maybe this is okay. Maybe this that's is it. something that, you know, yeah. um, I could do more of. And, uh, that's when I really started to get into to smoking myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All That's I mean, that's, that's very interesting. Um, so you, you, you're saying you started smoking at 24. Can I ask you how old are you now? I'm, uh, 35. 35. Okay. Oh, okay. And, um, how long have you been sober now? Uh, I've been sober for a year and a month now. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. I remember, um, Sorry, I remember the post, right? You, um, I think you mentioned you don't have anyone really to celebrate with, kind of, because of the family smoking, right? Right. I, I am lucky that my husband is very supportive, and um, oh, mm-hmm. he, he never smoked himself. So for him, you know, he's very supportive. He, um, you know, celebrates with me, but uh, I, I haven't, you know, I didn't really have anybody who who understood, you know, how mm-hmm. to uh, overcome to. Um, really celebrate with me because as I said, you know, all, everyone in my family smokes and they are daily, multiple times a day smokers. So it doesn't even really feel like something I can talk to them about without, you know, broaching all those defenses and mm-hmm. having kind of, you know, a little bit of conflict and confrontation there that just, you know, it really isn't something I'm, I'm looking to, to engage in. Can I ask you how, um, for example, your parents, how did they react when, when you told them that you're you ditching the habit of quitting? Um, my dad was pretty dismissive. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, oh, okay. Um, he he kind of just let it roll off him. And then every so often he'd check, like, oh, well, you're not, you're not smoking? Uh, are, are you smoking again? Just kind of feeling me out to see, well, is this, you know, how long is this going to last? But, um, you know, he lives in another state. So it wasn't a situation where, um, you know, we were, you know, touching in as frequently, but my mom, you know, she, she definitely tried to, to talk me out of it. She's like, well, you don't really, you don't have a problem, uh, Alyssa. You don't have to, um, you don't have to quit. Just scale back. Just, it's fine. It'll help you when you're nervous. It'll help you when you're anxious. You don't want to give this up. So I had to really sit her down and say, no, this is something that for me is a problem. And I need you either, if you can't be supportive, then at least, you know, don't, don't mention it to me. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough that when I, you know, really sat her down and, and told her, you know, the extent of my, my feelings about it, she, um, she, you know, switched tactics a little bit and was, um, not, you know, she went, she stopped offering me, she stopped trying to get me to smoke and she, um, Thankfully, took all my paraphernalia. I just gave it to her, and so I had someone to send it off to, which was helpful. Um, uh, there was definitely um, some trying to, to coax me back into it at first. 
that's very interesting actually because I mean I'm kind of surprised they went the um, your mom switched tactic because I don't really hear that often um and you know very very helpful for you I would imagine as well but um yeah it's amazing so can I ask you okay you mentioning you sort of started when you were 24 I mean was it was it for you? Was it like a social thing with your friends? Because you said that you seen a lot of your friends smoking it, or how did you start it? Uh, I actually started alone because I had been such, you know, so anti for so long. It felt like something that I had to to do on my own. So I was smoking alone for a while, for you know, at least a couple um, months until I um, started smoking with some coworkers and friends, and then eventually, um, you know, I had. In in my experience with weed, I had a lot of boundaries. I was like, well, I won't cross this boundary. I'll, I'll smoke alone, but I won't smoke with friends. Um, and then I crossed that boundary. I'll smoke with friends. I won't smoke with my family. And then I crossed that boundary. And or I um, kind of saw other people doing it and normalized all those things that had felt so, you know, when I was sober at first, that seemed, you know, in my mind, you know, unhealthy. The more I was around people who who um, modeled that behavior, the more I was able to accept it and and let my usage slide further and further into what I thought was problem usage. And then, and then, so, at what point um, did you think it was a problem usage? Uh, it took a while, um, but I ended up having um, two things happen at the same time. Where um, you know I had a pretty tragic death in the family. And at the same time, my work um, stress just skyrocketed. And that's when um, I really began to rely on um, the lead for depression and, you know, what I thought was depression, anxiety management Mm -hmm. and noticed, um, I would say about a year after that, that I couldn't engage in even activities that were mildly anxiety producing without Mm -hmm. needing smoke i would um have to you know make sure i had an edible if i didn't have an edible i had to you know stop on the way to go you know even to go see a musical something Mm -hmm. that adored doing there was no reason it should provoke a a level of um anxiety in me i had to stop and make sure i had a way to get high if i was going to participate in that and then the the real um switch flip was definitely when it began to start uh, affecting affecting my health um You know, I think we have this perception of weed as being harmless or even beneficial for health for a lot mm-hmm. of people. But for me, I you know began to develop bronchitis over and over again. I began to develop symptoms of, you know, um, uh, stomach issues. Um, mm-hmm. I began to have um, issues with, um, I don't know if I'm sure you're familiar with cannabis um, hyperemesis syndrome, where you're, you know, yes. smoking so much that you're literally you know vomiting nonstop and at that point i wasn't able to deny that it was impacting my health in a way that was just be- beyond what i could accept or or excuse away and can i ask you so um the um, uh what you said the kind of with um hyper um cognition mm-hmm was that was that one of the reasons what made you stop as well, or was that just sort of a um, that happened as well, and then you decided, okay, well, 
all this all these problems together um i need to stop um thankfully i uh stopped before it developed into i know i know some people who um have uh the syndrome so much that anytime they would smoke it would happen to them but mine was much more intermittent to the point where you know for a long time i'd be like well this is just one of those weird spells i would get but now Mm -hmm. having and having those spells having completely disappeared, I can't deny that that's what it was anymore. Um, so I'd say it was more the compounding of everything together. I think it's easy with you know one or two, especially um, intermittent symptoms, where you can just you know excuse it in the back of your mind. Um, mm-hmm. So it took a piling up of things for me to really face what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand because I mean the the reason why I ask it is because that's normally sort of the uh, point of no return, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when 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 that happens, and then you don't really have a chance. I mean, you either you know, it, it, you, I mean, it's horrible. Um, yeah. I actually only spoke. Um, I mean, over you know, over the Zoom, over the audio, I actually only spoke with one person that had it. But I think I, that was pretty shocking, and um. But there's a group on Facebook, which I'm a member of as well, and it's only for that condition. And some of the videos and some of the pictures I see there is just us there. But yeah, that's what I asked because I think that's sort of the, uh, uh, I shouldn't say last stage, but you know, I don't, uh, there's no way you go back to smoking after that. That's, that's, That's what I'm trying to say. So absolutely. Alrighty. So you decided to, um, you decided enough is enough. So what was the next step? What did you do? Uh, it, it took quite a few tries for me yeah. to act, be able to manage it. Um, I entered this stage, um, a friend of mine recently called it sober curious, where okay. you, <laughs> you, you know, began to, you know, feel out the control, trying to um, find ways to, to limit. Like at first I said, well, I'll, I'll limit my usage without strict rules. Mm-hmm. And then that won't work. And then I'll, okay, I'll limit my usage, but I'll have strict rules. Like I'll only smoke in the evenings or I'll only smoke on the weekends. But then that didn't work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it took me five tries of, you know, this step-by-step um, moving towards just total cold turkey. And then um, last, or this, um, a year ago on New Year's, I finally said, well, if I'm going to do this, everything else has failed. I have tried every other way of managing um, my usage, and I have to get rid of all my paraphernalia. I have okay. to let everyone around me know that this is a goal I am setting, and you know, not try to downplay it. I had mm-hmm. to treat it was, which was a serious undertaking for me. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was able to you know take it seriously myself and to you know feel like there were stakes involved because without stakes, it was you know well, what's to stop me from you know breaking this rule? What's to stop me from breaking my sobriety? Mm-hmm. So I, until I set those limits, I didn't really have you know uh, a reason to to not do so. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So you had this um, kind of evolution, if you want. Um, and right, so I mean, it happened exactly the same with me. I, I sort of, um, I had this reasoning of, uh, you know, uh, when I first started, it was afternoons, evenings, or just afternoons and, and evenings, and 
you know, that would sort of compensate for what I didn't smoke during the day. I would then compensate in the evening. And then I switched this to weekends only, which was exactly the same. Then I would be high from, you know, Saturday morning to Sunday evening. Um, but then the first switch sort of happened when I actually um, left the place where I lived for over two months. Um, but that's, that's very interesting, actually, because, I mean... You re- not rarely, I hear this sometimes, but a lot of people just go in straight, I want to quit, and that's it. But then they sort of, down the line, they get a relapse, and then it takes so long to go back on this sort of course of quitting that I would, if, if, I would actually bet that, you know, your, your way of quitting is actually more successful and brings faster results if you want in in a way than than just going it completely cold turkey because you don't know really do you i mean mm-hmm. that's interesting okay yeah i would agree i would i i it's almost like i had my relapses first mm-hmm. and uh you know was able to see you know um and it's not like i haven't wondered mm-hmm. like well maybe i could just smoke this one day mm-hmm. but eric oh because i've tried that that if I if I try that method, if I try to um, limit it, I'm, I'm going to fail again. Mm-hmm. So for me, realizing that the only the only method that would work with me was completely getting it out of my life was, um, I think, really beneficial to to making it stick. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you you realized on your own, which is one of the biggest. Like, I mean, at least for me, like that's how I learned. Like, if I if I do a mistake, if I fail at something, and I I know what was wrong, then I'll remember it. And you know, it happened before that I did it again. Anyways, especially with weed day, but I think like it's it's completely different when you do it something on your own and you fail on your own, and then you realize, well, hold on a second, that that doesn't work with me. Maybe it works with other people, but it doesn't work with me. Absolutely, mm. like the best teacher. Yeah. Um. Can I ask you, and I think, and I think that's what I was um, sort of interested um, as well in, in your stories. What is your career, if that's something you can share? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I uh, used to work in education, and um, currently I'm transitioning um, out of education into uh, becoming a counselor. Okay. What sort of counseling are you planning to do? Um, I'm planning to work with people who... Um, are dealing with severe trauma um, and people who are dealing with uh, depression, anxiety mm-hmm. um, as a direct counselor. And my ultimate goal as, you know, the, the laws continue to develop is to become a um, psychedelic integration counselor who's um, helping uh, people utilize psychedelic therapy to uh, resolve past trauma. All righty. Okay. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Right. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, psychedelic. Are yeah. you are you someone that's tried that before? You are you supporting that sort of um, approach? Uh, absolutely. Um, so, right. uh, I would say that um, you know, quitting weed is kind of the latest step in my mental health journey. But it really began in 2019 when I had the opportunity to utilize psychedelics myself to um, resolve a lot of my own past trauma, my PTSD, depression, anxiety. Mm. And, um, 
you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in everyone's experiences is their own experience. You can't, um, you know, judge or, or assume based on anything. But for me, you know, weed was a way to manage that without resolving it. And then once mm-hmm. I, you know, utilized psychedelics and it pointed out all the areas in my life that I, you know, needed to resolve, I couldn't deny that it was a stopgap. And so, you know, I, I started by, you know, using um, shrooms to, um, you know, to, to help. The way, I, the way I tried to conceptualize it to others is it took all those, that framework that was in my mind of how we, we view the world, that schema, and mm-hmm. it swiped it away so that I could see the patterns that for me seemed so normalized, seemed so ingrained, and I could notice where they weren't serving me. And so, you know, I was able to, at that point, accept that I needed to um, utilize therapy. I needed to um, try to resolve my mental health issues. I, you know, was able to to seek a counselor who um, uh, diagnosed me with ADHD, uh, which had been contributing a lot to the anxiety that I was using weed to cope with. You know, once I had under control of medication, I was then able to, um, you know, see where I was, you know, completely without the, the goals that had driven my life. I'd been very goal-driven before I had um, started smoking weed. And mm-hmm. I was able to, uh, you know, integrate more goals into my life. I was able to then, you know, fix all these little issues. And so finally I was staring down saying, wow, okay, so weed's the last issue that I feel is causing, you know, uh, a, a stagnation in my life. I have to face this. I have to, to overcome this as well. And that's very interesting. So, are you are you still um, are you still using the shrooms? No, not at this time. Um, I haven't used for a while. I used for um, uh, I, I would um, go on what I call a maintenance trip about once every two months until um, I um, just didn't feel that I had any more to to do. I felt mm-hmm. like I. You know, there's there's a saying um, in the psychedelic community, which is, you know, um, use it until it stops guiding you. Mm-hmm. And I, at that point, realized that I had done a lot of work and I um, was ready to to take a break. Mm-hmm. And so at mm-hmm. the point, I haven't used for a while, but um, I personally, and again, you know, this is only my own experience and I feel everyone has to to do what's healthy for them. It was a huge contributor to being able to, um, you know, improve, improve my mental health and to, um, overcome my weed addiction. Okay. All right. That's an interesting statement. So you would say that actually mushrooms kind of helped you in a way to overcome the, the weed addiction. Oh, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. as like I said, uh, you know, you, you, you do, normalize usage even though at the back of my mind i had this voice saying you know using it every day <laughs> it doesn't seem to be a healthy usage of it you know having to smoke before every event having to you know smoke before anything even mildly stressful doesn't seem to be heavy usage or healthy usage and you know i would excuse away all these you know warning signs these bells going off in my head but um you know during my trips the, those that framework was gone I could see my my patterns for what they were, and I couldn't deny it anymore. And mm-hmm. that was a, a big step to then being able to address the issue. 
Right, I see. So I, I can understand. So what you're saying is that basically insurance would sort of um, uh, would sort of give you a, a clear view of sort of a spectator view on the situation you're having with weed, and that would help Absolutely. you. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Oh, I So in terms of um, counseling, would your approach be with the use of mushrooms as well, or is that actually? Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go on, go on. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, once legalized at this point, um, you know, I, the, the um, I do live near Oregon and Oregon has decriminalized um, all drugs and is building a framework uh, currently for um, psychedelic therapy. Mm -hmm. uses. So um, one of my plans is to um, uh, be able to be a counselor in Oregon as well. But Washington actually just last week um, put forth a, a bill very similar to Oregon. So I'm hoping by the time I'm done with my master's program that the framework will exist in Washington as well. Um, but yeah, my ultimate goal is to be able to, you know, help um, people in the, the following the John Hopkins model where they do counseling before, usually two to three sessions before a trip. The counselor trip sits um, with the patient during the trip and then they have about you know three follow-up sessions to um, integrate the the lessons that have been learned for the the client during the trip would you know be my ultimate model because um, you know gotta I'm a big believer in research back uh, evidence and mm -hmm. um, Johns Hopkins model is is the the evidence is staggering. I mean, I do have to say I'm I'm kind of shocked at what I just heard. Did you say that the counselor trips with the which oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, they, they, no, 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 they supervise them during, they, they not, <laughs> that was, he's not very healthy at all. That's what I had to apologize, you know, like, I mean, that would be a lot of, you know, yeah, a lot of things in the mix at, uh, at that moment. Okay, okay, all right, that's very interesting, I didn't actually know that the Oregon completely, um, decriminalized is that is that all the drugs so then yeah they wise possession of all okay. drugs um and then they do still have a system where if um someone is um found in uh possession of drugs above the what, what they you know consider a recreational amount then they um instead of uh prosecuting they um route them through um uh substance uh abuse therapy Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Can I ask you something, seeing that you sort of um gone down that way and you said that one of the um actually the two things you want to sort of focus on with counseling is also anxiety and depression, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean you obviously hear that a lot that marijuana is is um healing healing is is um you know helping with anxiety and depression what's your take on it my take is that um it, i i liken it to aspirin right mm -hmm. you take aspirin the pain from your headache goes away or the pain in your body goes away but it's not resolving the underlying issue it's not um really fixing anything at the moment mm -hmm. and so you know when i would smoke I, my 
my brain was able to shut off. I was able to let go of the anxiety, feel better, laugh, but the the underlying issues were still there. And every time I used we to cope, I was forgetting a coping mechanism that I had before or I'm doing pathways in my brains for how to, you know, manage my um, feelings of anxiety. And what became a way of coping now was a crutch. Mm-hmm. Well, at that point, rather than you know, freeing me from my depression, anxiety, weed was chaining me to my depression, anxiety, because without it, I had no other way to manage those symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I felt that it really exacerbated my um, condition to the point where, you know, I forgot how to, you know, manage even basic anxiety mm-hmm. without weed. And so a big part of becoming sober was relearning that, relearning those coping mechanisms, you know, mm-hmm. let the brain handle anxiety, remember that those feelings were normal, those feelings were survivable, and I had ways to to address them beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, I mean, it's shocking. I mean, at least that's how it was with me. It, it's shocking how much you have to re- relearn, like just mm-hmm. understanding that these, you know, that anxiety is, is part of our lives. It's, it's, I mean, I say now it's what makes me alive, but just understanding that, you know, there is an anxiety and there always will be. And, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's kind of crazy because, um, you know, especially for example, on our leave, sometimes I, I see posts and I, I see people saying, oh, I'm four weeks seen, anxiety has not gone away. What should I do? And it's kind of it's kind of crazy because I don't. I mean, I'm like if you you we we didn't start. I mean, we haven't been using weed since we were you know toddlers. We started using weed somewhere along the line. And I'm just thinking, did weed really makes us so blind to realize that we don't have an anxiety, or is that just a sort of? A, I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's interesting. Absolutely. I agree. It's, it's, um, and the number of people who are chronic users who I know who, who claim anxiety as, you know, fundamental reason they use is about 90% of the chronic users, um, I know. Yeah. They, one of their main reasons for, for using dairy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Could be said there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's that and depression and then a few other things, but it's like, I don't know. It's just crazy because the more the more people I talk to, the the completely reverse the stories. And you know, sometimes they start to think, "Well, hold on a second, something something isn't right here." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Alrighty. Okay. So, I mean, that's a question I always ask, and I always will ask because every time I get sort of a, a different question, a different answer. Sorry, and I'm always intrigued how different people's perception is but knowing what you know now obviously through the journey you've been in you know also um with your career that where is it going um what would you say are three most important things that someone should know when they're quitting marijuana i would say first and foremost that you need to give yourself time that it's going to take you know, biologically, it's going to take your brain and your body time to process the the weed from your system and to get back to a normal state. So those first few days and weeks of sobriety are going to feel 
you know, much worse than um, you know, a month down the line is going to feel. That being said, number two is it's not as bad as I think people feel. Uh, you know, like you said, um, on, on leads, there's a lot of posts. And, and when you read all that together, you read people having sleep problems. You read about people having appetite problems or problems managing their anxiety. That's a huge collection of everybody's experiences. But not everyone is going to have this, you know, all the symptoms. So to just take a breath and know that your experience is going to be different, but it's also going to be manageable. And third, to, you know, reach out to others hold yourself accountable and to let people know in your life who are going to be supportive. If you are struggling, let them know that you're struggling because nobody should have to go through um, trials on their own and people will want to be there for you. Mm-hmm. So I feel, that, you know, those were the three main things for me that, that made it. Yeah. Uh, comfortable. Plus, plus very good. Actually. Um, I really like the second one. Um, because uh, Hey, you don't hear that often. And you're very right. Um, you know, I don't know if I think it's. I'm not actually sure what it is that sort of blighted, but yeah. And then the third one is, um, third one is huge as well. You have to find a close. You have to find support. Um, but it, I mean, honestly, there's no prize in it. If like if you're doing it on your own, like at the end of the day, no one's gonna you know give you a, a medal for it and say, "Damn, they did it!" Like mm. absolutely. You have to find that, you know, somewhere else in your life, that, that um, affirmation. What would you say in terms of, um, in terms of support, what would you what, what role would you say Arlie's play? I, it was, it was a big one for me. Just, I, I only posted once or twice on it, but whenever I was feeling like, whenever I was minimizing my own experience or whenever I was doubting whether I should, well, maybe just this one time I should engage or, 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 or have a cope, I would go and read Arlie's and just see all these other people who were, you know, a part of this journey I was on. And even though they were going through their own struggles, they're going through their own um, part of the journey, just knowing that my feelings, my, my um, experience and my reason to be sober were valid, mm-hmm. especially I was around, you know, family members who, like I said, at every social situation continued to smoke. Mm-hmm. I, it it kept me conscious of my own reasons for um, being able to be sober. And so having that group there, I think, was a huge part of knowing I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. Stand. Um, can I ask you another thing? And I sort of put it down earlier on and I didn't really... Um, I'm already a bit more into it, but did you say you were diagnosed with AGAD? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. I mean, uh, the reason why I'm asking you this, and I've seen this trend lately on my podcast. I mean, now I've got about 20 episodes, but one of the highest um, uh, listened podcasts is ADHD and marijuana addiction. And I mean, uh, rightly so. I mean, I think it's one of those. Um, uh, you know, it's one of those conditions that it's it's bound to trigger um, sort of a. I mean, I it's it, that marijuana is one of those. Um, I'm trying to say that marijuana is the perfect medicine for that for that condition. That's what I'm trying to say. And um, 
Can I ask you when when were you um, diagnosed with HDHD? Uh, I was diagnosed in 2020. The I believe it was March of 2020. But I had been diagnosed as a child, actually. Um, okay. And my um, my family um, had in, informed me of that, and I was going back through some files, and I found my diagnosis. Um, and it runs pretty heavily in my family, so I'd always wondered. And so, um, you know, knowing that and knowing that my symptoms aligned very strongly with everything I had been reading, I went in and um, did uh, some intelligence and um, a general, uh, I think it's called the Wessler test to uh, see. And I was diagnosed with ADHD. Um, but I I would say, you know, with your point about um, you know, marijuana and ADHD is that it is a very often utilized way to mask symptoms for people who are trying to who ha- either haven't been diagnosed, um, don't know that uh, you know, they have it, but need to be able to function in society, need to be able to um, manage that. I feel that, you know, ADHD, part of it is impulse control. And so when you, you know, are engaging in drug usage, you're going to you know, constantly seek more and more and more. Um, but also it's a way to, you know, mask those symptoms that feels normal or that feels maybe you know, less scary than seeking therapy or seeking medication. And so I think that you do see a lot of um, marijuana usage and abuse in the ADHD community. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you, did you, um, are you using any medicine now? Um, yes, I am on uh, a stimulant. Um, I was prescribed by um, my psychiatrist, and um, I'm currently um, off it because I'm I'm currently pregnant with our second kid. So, <laughs> yeah, congratulations! Uh, oh, thank you very much. Um, so I can't can't do that, but uh, mm. but once I am, um, then I will be returning to it because it does allow you to function without. Um, that you know, it it it, it definitely you know, every every medication has its downsides, but it is one of the you know best ways with you know the the support of therapy to be able to overcome the downsides of ADHD. That yeah, I found. Alrighty, um, that was that was amazing. I mean. You know, I always say at the at the end of each um, episode, I learned so much. But uh, I mean, I think uh, I f- I feel like uh, being in class now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you. Uh, I mean, even some of the models you told me, the John Hopkins one and the the one for the HDAD, That's the first time I actually heard about them, and that's crazy. Do you know? Do you know another thing I wanted to ask? It's kind of um, uh, it's called early in the morning, and my brain is still kind of. Pros, it's um. Well, would you would you think that the mushroom therapy would be beneficial for uh, cannabis dependence? I would. There's actually been some pretty interesting um, research that's come out about um, utilizing psilocybin to overcome um, nicotine addiction. Um, in one in one study, they found an eighty percent cessation rate where people were able to, um, you know, stop using nicotine completely. Eighty um, percent of the group, and so I feel that that has you know further 
know, applications beyond just nicotine um, with, with other substances, you know, marijuana included. And um, I know that there are some studies going on and John Hopkins currently looking into using psilocybin therapy to um, overcome addiction, but I don't think anything specifically related to cannabis, but I'd love to see them then do some research on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I'm really interested in, um, I can, I can imagine being it, um, being it a beneficial in a way, but what I'm really interested in is what would be the abstinence? That's what I'm really interested in, whether the abstinence rate would be higher or lower. And, um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. And, you know, I, um, there are some Reddit communities that uh, um, have a, a pretty big user base. So I'd be interested in at least seeing a poll, you know, <laughs> after whether uh, there's there's any anything to go off of there. But I think, you know, as... As the years continue to um, tick on, we're going to get more and more research coming out about this. And I- I'm personally just very excited about the uh, practical applications in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I think we're still kind of far behind. I mean, th- to be honest, the Europe is just catching up on legalizing uh, legalization of, of cannabis. So, it, <laughs> I mean, if you guys are a few years ahead, we are like, and you are not even, you know, forward forward in terms of some of the some some what we mentioned now then we are ages behind <laughs> oh man well hopefully we'll we'll start to see you know um sharing of research and you know, you know trends happening and just you know making sure that if there is something out there that can help people that it's being you know spread far and wide because mental health right now in, across the world is is an epidemic yeah 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 well, at least we're getting let out now, right? At least we can slowly walk out and <laughs> feel the sun. And, oh, know. God, right? <laughs> I bet I bet opening borders over at your end. What's happening? Uh, what was that? Are they opening borders over at your end now? Are they sort of, you know, the slowing all down all the, all the restrictions with Corona? Or? Yes. They are. Um, We just had an announcement from our governor that um, mask mandates are going to be lifted as of March 18th. And um, the um, daily infection rate is way down. Mm -hmm. And fingers are crossed because I have a toddler at home that soon (laughs) the under five vaccine is going to come out. So I don't know. It feels like we have an eye towards some sort of return to normalcy. Not that there will ever be, you know, a complete return. I don't think you can't completely normal after this but there's hope on the horizon i feel for yeah. i don't know being able to go to a sports game yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah it's, it's it's happening the same hey we're slowly opening and bitting up so i think it'll be very interesting summer with people kind of losing control of <laughs> if yes yes it will <laughs> gonna see some some wild things i'm sure <laughs> well listen thank you so much for this i, I learned so much and um i'm really happy that we made this happen um i will um i don't think this will go out because i, I kind of have a backlog of um episodes i need to get out i want to get out as well um, but yeah, sort of mid of March, um, this will go out and, um, I will definitely try to do this again with you in the future because, um, I mean, also your career is sort of going, 
into similar paths. But um, yeah, I learned a lot today, and I um, I really thank you for that. And um, yeah, just keep going. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I love talking with you as well. This was a great experience. So thank you again for the invite. That was wonderful. Well, it was um, it was a little bit of a timing issue, but then we made it happen. And I'm always I'm always amazed when I say. Um, well, I, I would say good morning, but you actually say good night, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, and um, we catch up soon. Yes. Uh, good morning. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Good evening. Good night. <laughs> All righty. That completes episode number 29. Jeez, it's already 29. Can you imagine? It's been a f- busy few weeks. Um, I really wanted to thank our guest again. You're amazing. You know who you are. I wish you all the best with your career. And I definitely want to talk to you in the future. I think you got brilliant brains. And we'll definitely, um, I definitely want to hear more uh, in regards to psychedelic therapy and uh, ins and outs. Um, thank you. Thank you, the listeners. Um if you don't mind, and if you enjoyed what you heard, um, press uh, like, follow, subscribe. You can also give us a rating. It helps more than you think. And yeah, there's another episode coming um, on Friday, and then we're sort of switching the theme. So make sure you listen to that one as well. Uh, that's actually my own story. Um, and yeah. And then we're switching the team to something completely no. We we all keep we're keeping the aspects of marijuana addiction, but um a little bit from different angles. So um you you'll see you'll see soon what I mean. And um yeah, thanks so much for listening today and we'll see you soon. Bye now.